I'm going to go on and say, but, you know, uh, we have this nice package for you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he literally, like, turns his head and throws up on my shoes. Welcome back or welcome to Toughest Call, a podcast for organizational leaders where we hear stories from your leadership colleagues about career-defining decisions. I'm your host, Chaz Thorne. In this episode, I'm talking with Zach Selch about a tough call that he made and regretted around the firing of a non-performing employee. Zach has been an international sales executive for over 30 years and is the author of Global Sales, the practical playbook on how to drive profitable growth. Having to let go of people is often one of the hardest things to do as a leader. Yet ensuring we have the right people in the right jobs is a defining part of a leader's role. Zach's story is instructive in that he allowed himself to be swayed toward a decision that he instinctually felt wasn't the right one. And he and his team would pay dearly for that decision in the months afterward. So I essentially run international sales teams and I am the guy you bring in when you want to fix something that isn't working. And when you do that, there's a lot of fat trimming. There's a lot of changes that have to be made and you don't make a lot of friends. And I'd hired this guy for a market who was a really, really nice guy. And this is sort of what made the whole story difficult for me because I liked him and he had potential. And my wife always says that I like to mentor people. So he had potential, but it's very hard for, for big ticket sales jobs when you're hiring somebody relatively young to know if he's going to work out or not. And he seemed to be the right person. He had some sales experience. And like I said, he was a really nice guy. I liked him. I liked his wife. And I really wanted this to work out. So after a while, we then had the, the ability to sell. And he wasn't selling. And he, and again, he was a very nice guy. And he always had stories about this. And, you know, he would, he would tell me why he couldn't sell. And, and, you know, very often you have to say, okay, this is, I understand, you know, it's difficult. It takes a little bit of time. We're figuring it out. I'll, I'll mentor you. I'll coach you. We'll work it out. But then we got to a point where I needed him to sell or I needed to get rid of him. Uh, and then what happened was, my wife and I, we, we have kids, and the, for the first time, we were going away without our kids for a weekend, and we went to Vegas, uh, and just, we, we had this wonderful weekend planned. We're not big Vegas people, but we had, you know, five restaurant reservations, and we had shows lined up, and we had gotten a cabana at the pool so we could really enjoy ourselves, and honestly, the whole weekend, my, my poor wife, I'm like talking about this, and I'm like, ah, how am I going to do this? And I wrote myself out talking points because I wanted to let this guy down gently and I wanted it not to be painful and I wanted to be helpful. And I negotiated with my company so I could give him a really nice package and all of this. And then essentially I flew right from Vegas to Greece where he was to, um, to see him. And the plan was I was going to meet him. I was going to spend an hour or two with him just for a quick meeting. And then I was going to fly out of there. I think I was going to Tel Aviv after that for a meeting with somebody else. And he, uh, he texted me and he said, because he knew I was flying through Germany, he texted me and he said, pick up money in the bank in the airport in Germany. I'll tell you about it when you get here. 
it was the day the banking structure shut down in Greece, right? So if you, you know a little bit of the background or if you've ever heard about it, the Greek uh, government and the Greek people ended up in a huge amount of debt uh, in the about 2010. It was still related to the Olympics that had happened years before that. But essentially the banks shut down and there were riots in the streets and you couldn't get money out of an ATM. So it was the worst possible time to be in Greece and the, and the Greek people themselves were very, very concerned. And to complicate matters, his wife was a banker. So she had been let go and literally the bank branch she worked in had been burned down. Somebody threw a Molotov cocktail in the, in, the, in the window of the bank branch she worked in. So if you could imagine, here he is. And, and like I land and I see the headlines and I grab a, I don't even, I think it was still a Herald Tribune. It wasn't the International New York Times at that point. Like I grab a newspaper and I'm reading and I'm like, this is where I am, right? This is the, the burning banks. The banking structure is down. They can't get money. And, um, and I realized this is going to be a little bit more complicated than I had anticipated. You've come in from the airport. You're entering Greece, basically the worst of times. What right. happens when you actually, where do you, where do you meet him? So we're sitting in the lobby of, uh, you know, essentially a five-star hotel at the, at the airport. The first thing he says is, Zach. I have great news. My wife is pregnant. And I just about, you know, I just about collapsed because I'm like, oh, no. Right. And um, and then he goes on, he goes, you know, we decided last year when after we got married that we you know that she'd get pregnant. And, you know, she just lost her job yesterday because the banking crisis. But we figure this is a good time because since she's not going to be able to find a job, maybe for, you know, a year or two uh, because of the banking crisis, this is a good time for her to have a baby. And he just starts talking about this and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is, this is not, this is not a good part of this discussion right now. So you've been, you've been hit with yet another wallop in terms of this decision that you made to let him go. So what's the next thing that you, that you So say? at this point, I basically say, you know what? Um, I'm really sorry. I have to tell you this. Uh, we have been, you know, looking at the company strategy and we've decided that we have to let you go. We're, we're getting rid of your position, but, and I'm going to go on and say, but, you know, uh, we have this nice package for you. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And he literally like turns his head and throws up on my shoes. And here's this, you know, 40 year old man who, um, just he he loses it completely uh and i wasn't expecting that look i've ha i've been through two startups that went bankrupt and both times it hit me in a very very rough way it was very difficult on my family i have three kids i know what it's like i'm not you know independently wealthy or anything like that but um you know he i i wasn't expecting quite that reaction so I call my boss. I say, this is what I want to do. I know I said I was going to fire him. I know I was going to give him a three-month package. I want to extend that. And what I decided to do was to tell him to take his time to find another job.
And she was like, well, it's your decision. You have to hit your numbers. If you can do this and hit your numbers, then I'm fine with that. And what I said was, it's not that I don't want to fire him. I need to fire him, but I'm going to tell him to take, you know, that we're going to keep paying him until he finds a job, but that, that I can't stretch this out, out indefinitely. I'm not going to put a, a final date on it, but I need him to be to, to actively be looking for another job and we will continue to pay his salary until he finds another job. So Zach, you've, you've now communicated to, to this person what you're going to do. You're, you've given him some, some more leeway uh, around when you'll let him go. What happens next? Because this has an impact on your whole oh, team. Yeah. So I call up my whole team. And, and again, we're all pretty friendly. We all know each other. You know, they sort of think of him as the guy who isn't doing very well, but everybody likes him. And I said, look, here's the thing. We have to pick up his slack this year. It's going to be a little bit longer. And everybody's okay with that. They're not thrilled, but they're okay with that. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things when you're doing this type of sales, people are saying, okay, I think I can scrape up another 200K. I think I can scrape up another half a million. And everybody, so we figure out how we're going to keep up, pick up this slack, but for a finite period of time, right? We're thinking this is going to go on for a couple of months. So you made this call. It was a very compassionate one, obviously. And, and also it was being, um, it was being done really with, with some cultural guidance, if you will, from the, from the CEO, so when did it start to turn for you? What first thing that happened that made you go, uh-oh? And it was obvious he wasn't really interviewing. He wasn't really looking. And he would come back and he would say things like, well, you know, next year's strategy meeting, uh, I can do this or should I do this? And I was like, look, you should not be planning on anything in the future. We taught, You should be planning on finding another job. And it didn't strike me that he was doing that actively or seriously. And then um, a few months later, we had a team meeting and he came and he was just... Um, he, he was actually very abusive to the rest of the team. It was, it was almost humorous in that um, we had this whole meeting and everybody talked or, you know, everybody was talking about planning and so on. And uh, he said, Zach, I, I have a, a little announcement to make. Can I stand up and, and make it at the end of the meeting? And I thought he was going to be saying, I found a job. I'm leaving. I wanted to, you know, thank you for giving me. I literally thought he was going to say, I want to thank you for this and giving me this extra time. And he stood up and he goes, you know, Zach fired me and uh I was able to convince him to hold me on for a little while and I hope I'll be able to keep my job here, but I was expecting support from my team and you're all a bunch of that you didn't support me. And And he's like, we were friends and none of you are supporting me. You should have all, you should have all put pressure on Zach. You're all a bunch of and um, everybody in the room was just in shock. And I walked him out and I'm like, so what now? He goes, oh, what do you mean? I'm like, you 
just insulted the whole team, right? Nobody likes you anymore. What you know? And he's like, "Oh no, I was just you know, I was telling it the way it is. They should know, you know." I think his his he was like really collapsing in terms of self awareness and 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 so on. It was it was interesting to watch, but he wasn't doing anything to leave. So it just became this real nightmare of a situation. And I was trying to be as gentle as possible with him. So pretty much as soon as his baby was born, um, I, I terminated him finally. What was the final straw for you? What I saw was almost from the, from the very beginning, he was trying to undermine me. And I thought, okay, he's very emotional. He's, he's hurt. He's lashing out. I'm good. You know, I, I, I'm producing, you know, when you're a sales leader who produces the fact that one of your reports is complaining about you typically, you know, isn't going to hurt you that much. And I knew my CEO didn't like me anyway. So it wasn't that bad a thing, but this kept going on and on and he wasn't producing. And my team is everybody's working extra hard to make up the slack. He's not doing anything. So it was sort of like, well, okay, I'm going to help him until he gets a job. And then I realized he wasn't looking for a job. So I said, okay, I'm going to help him until his baby is born. That's the, that's the best I can possibly do. And then essentially when he announced that his baby was born, uh, we let him go and he just disappeared. He didn't even, you know, write a, you know, thank you for carrying me for 10 months. He didn't, um, you know, he, he, he didn't send back his computer or phone or he just, you know, shut down his email and disappeared. And so, you know, it was one of those things I can get the stress that a person can be under, you know, over these situations, this can be really difficult. That said, you know, we went out of our way to try and mentor him and take good care of him and then protect him through the job thing. And so I look back at this and I'm thinking if I've made, if there's one big mistake I've made in my business career was this, this, um, I would never do anything like this again. You really had to have been a pull off the bandaid type of thing. And, and that's what I should have done. You know, maybe I should have offered him a couple of months extra severance, but still I should have gotten him out the door in, in that, you know, in that first session. How have you handled <laughs> similar situations since based on what you learned from that? I'm going to say I'm a little bit more careful with the psych evaluation side of the hiring process. Okay. Uh, I typically do, you know, testing when I hire people. Uh, I don't just go with my instinct, but I'm a little bit more careful about flags that might come up in the psych evaluation because I think this was a character flaw that looking back showed up in the psych evaluation and I misinterpreted it. If you'd like to learn more about Zach, you can check out his website at globalsalesmentor.com. There you can learn more about international sales through a number of resources he has available. And if you'd like some assistance with your own tough calls, we've compiled a collection of free tools just for you. Go to toughestcall.com to check them out. If you're not yet a subscriber to Toughest Call, please add us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 
I hope this conversation helps you when faced with your next tough call.